You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. This is Detailing Addiction. You're listening to America's Web Radio. Today in studio, I have with me David Donaldson and Michael Daly from the Atlanta Healing Center. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi, Susan. So glad you're with me today. Today, we're um, going to have what I think and hope is an interesting conversation. Yesterday was Veterans Day, and... um, in preparing for our talk today, I found it really interesting that the serenity prayer, which is going to be the basis of our um, discussion today, was written by Reinhold Niebuhr uh, back in 1944. It was first published in a book of prayers that was given to servicemen. So uh, each, um, as each recruit entered the service, they were given this book of prayers. And the Serenity Prayer was first published in that book of prayers for our servicemen. So I thought, well, that's very interesting, Um, full circle, I think, because it has certainly been a prayer that has been a big part of recovery for many people. And I know at the Atlanta Healing Center, many of our groups end with the Serenity Prayer, which is such an important piece of wisdom, I think, for people, whether you're in recovery or not. And obviously, um, Mr. Nyberg felt that it was important for everyone uh, to have this, uh, this gift. So for those listeners who may not be familiar with the Serenity Prayer, anybody want to share it? Um, I certainly can. Thank you. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That is very important. And, Michael, as we were talking before the show, you (coughs) mentioned how this played a role in your own life, if you don't mind sharing Uh, Oh, not at all. I mean, I heard it initially at my first meeting, of course. And at the end of the meeting, they they said the serenity prayer. and it became kind of my mantra that I that I would sometimes have to say over and over and over and over again mm-hmm. in a very short period of time just to keep remembering that there's a lot of stuff that we do not have control over, that we cannot worry about it, and that we just have to let go. So I think the first part <laughs> is really where we were going to focus today, which is a Grammy... You know, before you jump into that, sure. I just thought I'd jump in with that the actual first word is God. Yes. And um, interesting, in, in last evening's group, mm-hmm. one of the members was talking about how as soon as he hears that word, his brain turns off. And he doesn't really hear the rest of, of the serenity prayer, so he misses all the benefit of that. Um, so we were talking about the, the significance of that word in particular regardless of what your belief system is. Um, Because the disease of addiction is one that is so (laughs) self-focused. You are completely focused on 
where am I going to get my supply? How am I going to use my supply? How am I going to get away with it? How am I going to recover from it? And it's so completely self-consuming that that word in particular, regardless of your belief system, helps you get out of yourself a little bit. Whether it's group of drunks, whether it's God from the Bible, whether it's um, good orderly, good orderly direction. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, it takes you out of that that self place, right? And I think helps lead into the rest of what we wanted to talk about. But certainly, for um, people to begin to work a recovery program, recognizing they've got to get out of the the complete feeding of self. And I think along that same line is the idea that they have to ask for help. They have to ask for help from someone, something outside of themselves. And so in that word God, that petitioning. The um, grant. Grant me, yeah. Uh, it, is, um, it is a plea for help. Um, it is the plea for wisdom. It's all of the things that are contained in the serenity prayer. But it starts out, yes, to your point, David, outside myself, but also an, a request for help, for help from Absolutely. someone That's else. That's a great point. And that is really very important. Well, and in 12-step, that that's the basis of 12-step right. is asking for help, helping another person. And getting out of yourself mm-hmm. is easily done when you, when you work with somebody else who's got a big, bigger set of problems or more urgent problems or more whatever um it just it just takes you away from thinking about me you know poor me poor me 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 so uh we will focus on other parts of the prayer but i think the first part particularly right now where we're coming into a very stressful time of year Lots of outside demands, lots of things happening in people's lives, in their communities that are outside of their control. And that uh, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. That is such an important line because one of the things that people with the disease of addiction or people who love them, uh, people who suffer with codependency, is that I want to control it. I want to be in control. I want to be in charge. I want to solve this. I want to fix this, whether it's fixing it for myself, whether it's fixing it for my loved one who has the disease of addiction. I want to fix this. I want to be in control. And while we all wish we could, there are so very few things in our lives that we have any control over. Well, It's amazing. And it reminds you that acceptance is the key. Right. It, it's the key to getting sober. It's the key to staying sober. It's the key to just having a, a happy, joyous life just by accepting what's in front of you right then. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really hard to do. It's very hard to do. And from the often often spoken about addiction side, from the addict side of it, right. um, where you use the word control, real often for the addict they would use the word escape. So I want to escape from, I want to run away from, disappear from, medicate away. Um, 
all of the chaos of the world and all of the things that they can't change. If I just go have two drinks, this will all go away and I don't have to think about it. Um, that whole prayer, God grant me the serenity, is what what so often they're looking for in their substance, whatever it, or their behaviors. It's right. grant me the peace that comes from <laughs> from whatever it is that I prefer to use to yeah. change how I feel today yeah. or in this moment. And there are um, a number of things that we have to help people. Um, learn to do and ways of thinking about challenges in their lives, ways of thinking about the things they can't control so that they can accept it, so that they can continue to move forward and so they can find that serenity, that peace that they're looking for. And that's a big part of what we're trying to help people do is learn how to modulate that uncomfortable feeling and accept that this is just where I am right now and I can't make my boss rehire me again or my spouse love me again or my mother trust me again. I can't get the judge to let me out of jail right now. There are so many things that our patients have to learn to accept and have to learn to be able to be okay with, even though they cannot change them and they can't make it any different. Mm -hmm. Just recognizing that so much of of life, that whether it's because of addiction or not, there's just so much in life that just is. Atlanta traffic. We take we're, we're coming to you live from Atlanta, <laughs> and the drive to get from our office to this radio station is, in my book, the worst drive on the planet. Um, we're going through three major highways and through Spaghetti Junction, which is a huge intersection, and then right into the beginning of Spaghetti Junction Two, Part Two, Part mm-hmm. Two. They're in the construction of this, and so all of these lanes are coming down into one tight lane and then squishing into a. Um, Up against a guardrail. <laughs> a, a guardrail. And then um, and then vying for your spot to get into the six lanes that are funneling where, out. Where absolutely nobody is willing to just kind of use their brakes and slow down and let somebody in. Or take turns. Or take turns. Or do, you know, it's like nobody learned in school how to merge. Um, and so there's all of that stress that, that we experience on a daily basis just to get around in life and I know every city has their own spaghetti spaghetti, spaghetti junction but um, you have to you have to go through these times and you can't just I mean I guess you could just move into your house and have everything delivered nowadays easier than it used to be <laughs> much easier than it used to be that is one of the changes you could make but <clears throat> it's it's um, certainly not easy to just go through life stress-free um, and unmedicated. <laughs> Right. And one of the things that I talk to people about when they're first making a phone call and, and calling in for either a loved one or uh, themselves is that in in our level of care, there's still a whole lot of stressors that they have to deal with on a daily basis. And many of them are so new at it that, that just this driving, you know, from one, one area of the city to another area – can cause them to relapse if they're not careful. Right. And um, people don't understand that it's those seemingly small 
little things that you do on a daily basis that you deal with. But when you're first getting sober, you have to relearn how to deal with all of it. And unfortunately, to your point, Michael, we are not making their lives more simple. We're uh, removing the substance that's making them feel bad, that's making them sick sometimes. We're helping them get back to sleep and to have some energy and to be healthy, but we have really complicated their lives now. They've got their regular day, their day job, their work, their family, their school, and now we've added several hours of treatment uh, to that already busy day. So yes, we've, we've taken them out of the time that they may have spent in finding their dopamine releaser of choice, their drug of choice. We've taken them out of the time that they may have had to use it or that they may need to recover from it. Uh, but that doesn't always add up to the number of hours of additional stress that happen to them when they're in new recovery. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about acceptance a little bit more. Thanks for listening. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business professionals, business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works, 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 
Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. You're listening to America's Web Radio. Today I have with me Michael Daly and David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center, and we've been talking about the serenity prayer, at least the first um, phrase of the serenity prayer, which is grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, and that this um, very simple phrase is often very difficult to do and often very difficult for our patients to understand and to be able to cope with. And, Michael, you had an interesting observation during the break when you were talking about uh, my phrase about we're helping you come off the medication, the drug, or the behavior that's caused you all of this trouble and then you said... <laughs> I said that as the patient or as the addict right. or alcoholic, we see it as you taking away the only thing that makes me fill in the blank. You know, happy, um, able to, to be stress-free, able to... Sleep. Cope, sleep. Not have pain. Not have pain. Um, not and, blow up at my boss. And the truth is... It, it really, by the time we're getting help, it, it's not doing any of those things anymore. It's adding to the stress. It's adding to the pain. It's adding to the, it's, it's turned on us. But we still remember it as the answer. But that's also for a lot of people who, who their story is they got to such a bottom that they were able to walk right into AA meetings and find their help and the relief and jump right in and get that, all the support. That's my story. Right, right. But there's there's many people who are getting into treatment earlier than that. Yes. When it is still working in a lot of areas, it might not be working in their marriage or it might not be working in the state of the law where they're getting legal issues. But in a lot of areas, it is still working. Still works. And so part of what they're having to accept is I have to quit doing what I'm doing because I keep getting DUIs, but... It's the only thing that helps me relax and brings joy in my life, and my brain still remembers it helps me have joy in my life. You know what I mean? Well, and, and it's very interesting to see that dealing with so many younger people, maybe in their, in their late teens to early 20s, um, and I can't tell you how many times we, we hear where the parents are so incredibly nervous about the 21st birthday upcoming because they've been sober for, you know, nine months to a year. And now uh, on this date, they're going to turn 21. It's legal to drink and they think they should be able to have a drink, even though drinking is not their problem. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Even if it is. And even if it is. <laughs> we certainly had some, some 19-year-old, 20-year-old kids where drinking was the problem. Right. But year 20, turning 21 was still a major issue. Mm-hmm. And reignited for some of them uh, the problem again or the desire or the remembrance. And to accept that I'm going to turn 21 and... I'm not really going to drink and drinking just just for today and the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> drinking is not going to be something that I'm going to be able to do like other people do or be able to do safely. Right. That kind of acceptance is very difficult for a young person. It's difficult for anybody. 
the uh, the amount of difficulty that people have with not having a glass of champagne at the end of a, at the reception of a wedding, right? What re- whether it's the person in recovery or the family member, we've had we've had many a family member who are just so upset with that um, we're saying no, they cannot have a glass of champagne at the reception unless you want to reignite the addiction and have them destroy the rest of the wedding. Um, certainly, that's an option. <laughs> And, and the family members have to work on their acceptance that, no, just because it's your 30th wedding anniversary, alcohol, not going to be part of that celebration. It's your daughter's wedding, alcohol, not part of that celebration. It's New Year's Eve, alcohol, not part of that celebration. The family members really don't understand. Right. And, and they some, are the first ones to pour a drink sometimes. Exactly. I was just going to say, so many times, the family members are who who kind of um, usher them into the treatment or to sobriety. Right. But many times, after a period of time of sobriety, the family members can be the person that says, well, it is this huge momentous occasion. So now that you've stopped for so long, you should be able to control mm-hmm. it. Right, and you should and be not fine. realizing that, you know, the disease model is no, you cannot control it. Right, not even not a drop. even a little bit. And while you may be able to get away with it, you won't stay away from it, and For it long. is a big problem. So, the serenity prayer and that acceptance piece of it is for everyone involved in the disease of addiction as we apply it. It's Mm -hmm. for the family members as well as for the folks who have the disease because you have to accept that you can't change. We can't cure this disease. We can't change the way the brain is so that you can safely go back to drinking one or two drinks at the party or that you're going to be able to take pain medicine without having potentially a problem we can't change the brain back we talk about once you become a pickle you can't go back to becoming a cucumber that's really what we're talking about it's hard to accept that it's hard to be okay with that for everybody involved absolutely i mean sitting in on on family groups uh in the last few years i've really come to realize how incredibly difficult it is to be a loved one because as the addict you're controlling yourself or not controlling yourself or itself itself as the loved one you're control you're trying to control yourself but you're also thinking about your person that oh my gosh what happens if they what happens if they do this what happens if they do that and it just is compounded, I think, for family members sometimes, the acceptance part. Exactly. Um, part of what I end up working with a lot of patients about is the acceptance that there are a lot of people in our society that are able to drink normally and that they are not alcoholic. Um, because you look at people and immediately if they're having they're pouring their third drink, even if it's like New Year's Eve, your brain says, well, they're drinking like an alcoholic. Right. <laughs> they can do it. Um, you know, and the the truth is that most of the people in our society that drink are not alcoholic. 
Right. There are a lot of people who meet the criteria for substance use disorder at some point in their life, um, but they're able to modify it or they get the consequence and they change their actions or, you know, but for the people that we're working with, the people who have the disease of addiction, um, they're having to accept, I've got to change my choices, who I hang out with, where I go, if I go to a wedding, um, having something prepared to toast with that's not going to be alcohol. They've got to do the planning ahead because the rest of the world isn't going to change for them. No. Necessarily. And they, this will generate a lot of feelings. And I know in groups, David, you spend a lot of time helping patients think about ways to cope think about ways to plan ahead, think about ways to make sure that they're safe in a situation or that they have an exit plan. Uh, we talk to them a lot about things like breathing. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm smiling at David, and, and he's smiling back because <laughs> one of his um, famous lines that you can ask anybody who knows David. Anybody. Anybody. Uh, he will say, breathe. Breathe. And his just doing that, you'll see the person <laughs> breathe, and then they they pause. That gives them that moment to, okay, let me get this carbon dioxide out of my lungs. Let me turn down the burglar alarm going off, the danger, danger in my brain that I'm suffocating because I've got all this carbon dioxide built up. Let me take a minute before I say those words that I probably wish I wouldn't have said five seconds after that let me stop this thinking pattern let me step back a minute it's so effective and and yet so simple but it is something really important for people to remember and most of us don't when we're in those really unhealthy unhappy panicked places and for so many people that is the one thing that they actually can stop and change Correct. The second phrase of the serenity prayer, to the courage to change the things that I can, sometimes the only thing you can change is your posture and breathing, taking a moment to just breathe in deeply. And breathe out. I pretty much think that that is the truth, is that second line is basically anything that's to do with yourself and your own moving forward are things that you can control and right. things that you can change. Right. But I can't change I can't change you for mm-hmm. into thinking that I'm correct. I actually I think am. the um, you, are. Yeah. you know in terms of physical that is really the one area that we can stop and have immediate impact of our, on our body. We can stop and breathe. We can't like stop and make our heart rate heartbeat suddenly speed up or slow down. We can't make ourselves sweat or not sweat just on a whim, but we can stop and breathe. <clears throat> we can have that little sense of, okay, I have some control right here. Right. And it is a very powerful mechanism that I've seen you um, help people with over and over again, myself included, sometimes that, yes, that is a way that I can get myself back under control, mm. that I can help prevent making things worse by just breathing. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's very powerful. 
We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some other ways to help make it through the day. Thanks for listening. This is David Donaldson with the Atlanta Healing Center, conveniently located in Lawrenceville, Georgia. At AHC, your success is our goal. Addiction recovery is about more than just not using. It's about becoming a whole person and addressing all aspects of your physical, psychological, and social needs. Please call us at 770-696-9862, or you can reach us on the web at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a march implementation ribbon-cutting ceremony, and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project. You can donate at jcvets.org. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not... You probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 
Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. You're listening to America's Web Radio. Today, David Donaldson and Michael Daly are with me, and we're talking about the different components of the serenity prayer. So in case some of you may not be familiar, uh, it goes, God, grant Grant me me the the serenity serenity to to accept accept the things things I cannot change, change, the the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That is such an important prayer. It's such an important concept to think about. It is the description of recovery. It's really the description of becoming a, an adult, <laughs> a reasonable, responsible adult. It is um, the model for many things. And I was so touched to, to read and learn uh, about the origin of the prayer because I've seen it everywhere. I've mm-hmm. seen it in the walls of the rooms of um, AA and other um, 12-step programs. I've seen it all over the place. But in reading um, that this was part of the prayer book that was given to our servicemen um, when they joined um, the service back in 1944. So it's an important uh, piece of wisdom, and mm-hmm. I feel... I wish I could find another word, but wisdom is what it is, even Mm -hmm. though wisdom is part of the prayer itself. I like that piece of it, and I like what it represents and the way in which it really can help people step back and make the next right choice. Well, and and it's – there's a simplicity about it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's an important piece of psychology as yes. well as philosophy as well as spirituality. I mean, it really encompasses um, most fields of study when you stop and really think about that. It's um, it's a beautiful thing. So the um, accept the things I cannot change. That is that is part of. Um, Acknowledging that you have the disease of addiction. It's part of acknowledging the poor choices and the bad decisions that you may have made while active in your disease. Uh, it's part of understanding that people in your life and your community may not ever understand what it is like, what your experience is like, but that's okay that you have to recognize that there are things you cannot change. You can't change your history. You can't change... Um, genetics. Genetics. You can't change that you've become a pickle. Um, these things are not changeable, and many things around you are not changeable. I listened to a really interesting discussion with um, Dr. Talbot, when he was asking a group of physicians about what they could control in their lives. Now, these were a group of physicians in early recovery. Let me preface it that way. And they were saying things, well, I can control how I spend my money. Um, Okay, Um, can you control the stock market? Can you control inflation, what your money's worth? Uh, You know, he would bring it back. They would say, well, I can control what I eat. 
Well, okay, so you can control what you put in your body. Um, can you control whether that stays in your body, whether your body absorbs it right, whether or not the food's tainted, now you throw it up, whether it's actually going to be helpful to you? We really don't have a whole lot of control about much of anything. We have the illusion of control, and that probably gives us some level of sanity. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, as much about our lives we can't control, we can only control how we respond to it, which I think is the second part of right. The, the courage. The courage to change the things I can, and it takes courage because it—that's the hard part. Even, even deciding what you can and cannot change, mm-hmm. but then once you think, okay, I can. This is something that can be made different. It's really hard to learn to make that different choice. I like that you said it's it's um, a lot like making a choice to become an adult. Right. You know, this whole making a decision to just not can be, be controlled, be manipulated, be maneuvered by all the things going around, but actually stopping and looking at a situation and deciding this is what the next right thing is that I need to do. And being able to do it rather than continually grasping at things that you don't have even the illusion of control over that word courage though there, there's a definition for courage that that i can't really get a hold of um but basically making a decision to do something in spite of fear and in spite of um Con- consequences or or <clears throat> do you know what it is yes make um someone who has courage is not fearless they have fear and they continue to do it in spite of being afraid. Exactly. And so the idea that that I'm not going to be scared or I'm not going to recognize there may be consequences for making this choice, I'm afraid but I'm going to do it anyway because it's the right thing to do, because it's what I believe in, because it's what I need to do, because it's what I should do, however you want to describe that, that takes some courage sometimes and courage um, to get into recovery courage to tell your friends no I can't go out with you no I don't do drugs anymore no I thank you I don't drink the the courage to set boundaries as you were saying David and to not be manipulated by others there's a lot of big courage points and little courage points that most of us face every day that we have to um, become more aware of and make it more of a conscious choice, I think. And it's, um, it's not something that we stop and think about how much courage it does take to change things in your life. It, there's um, there's an interesting program for coaches in working with, with helping parents that really is, fo- is focused on courage that I think is... Um, is lacking a lot lately. I know that it's been around, but but it's something I just think a, a nice reminder of. So courage talks about six different aspects of courage. Physical courage, you know, mm-hmm. having the bravery to go out and risk bodily harm. Emotional courage in terms of being able to actually stop and acknowledge and express your emotions appropriately. Moral courage, um, when you know right and wrong and you make a choice despite what everyone around you is mm-hmm. saying spiritual courage intellectual courage 
and social courage. And that last one, I think, is really controlling so many people right now. Um, so many of our patients, they will walk right into a drug den. <laughs> they will go into the worst part of towns and they will... With cash money in Cash money <laughs> um, and completely be advertising, hey, I'm here to buy drugs, you know, and have zero fear. But then they might see something negative posted about them on Facebook, or they might have to go f- go talk to um, a potential employer or a potential sponsor. And the fear that stops them from being able to just walk through that social, what are people going to think? What are the they going to say? Mm-hmm. The quote-unquote normal things that you've learned to do as an adolescent. Right. Or, or people that the normal people that learn to do that mm-hmm. in adolescence compared to the people that with with addiction that learn to oh have a drink and that and you goes, don't care yeah or that goes away or it it eases things over um and so it's the scariest thing in the world just mm-hmm. those little teeny tiny first steps yeah it's interesting, as you were reading all of the different types of courage, David, I was thinking of a, a training that I attended earlier today, which was on violence in the workplace. And they were talking about the different ways in which uh, people can be harmed and harassed. And, of course, we think of somebody getting hit or shot or pushed or something like that. But there was another... Um, a level that was talking about lateral harm, which are things like gossip and backstabbing and um, spreading rumors and people not having the courage, the moral courage or the social courage to say, that's not okay. That's not okay that you talk to me like that. That's not okay that you said that about so-and-so. Often we know and we probably should intervene, and we choose not to. Maybe it's not worth it. Maybe it's none of our business. But I think there are many times in which these kinds of social courage um, to speak up for what you believe in or for someone who's not there and can't speak up for themselves or to stop the rumors, the backbiting, the storytelling, I had just never thought about that as um, as being workplace violence because it just had not occurred to me in that way. But the the idea that sometimes we have to have moral courage and sometimes we have to have social courage, and those are not easy things to do, especially for folks that have issues with guilt and shame around having used drugs and alcohol. So it's... Um, or for people who've who've been impacted by someone else's use, and they've they've kind of got uh, abuse survivor, where they've tolerated more and more inappropriate behavior, suddenly they're tolerating more and more socially inappropriate situations at work or at school or um, in their in their own home. And sometimes it's because of the the shame. I I have to make this up to other people, or other people are looking at me. So. I can't say anything. One of we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to finish David's thought. Thanks for listening. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. 
These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Live closer to your food source. Learn how to grow it yourself. Please join me every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern on America's Homegrown Veggie Show for tips and advice from the country's best gardeners. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to Detailing Addiction. David Donaldson, Michael Daly, and myself have been discussing the serenity prayer. And right before the break, um, I cut you off, David, and you, we were talking about um, courage. We were talking about different aspects of courage, and, mm-hmm. and um, part of it was intellectual courage. And the thing that was striking me was how so many people are able to compartmentalize, and it's we, we talk about defense systems all the time and the different defenses, whether it's blaming or rationalizing. But I see so often that people literally can take a piece of information related to a situation and just move it to the side. And it's like, okay, that little fact doesn't really matter because of all of these other things. And, and that's that one way that intellectually they're able to stay in the, in the chaos rather mm-hmm. than getting into being able to move into the recovery process or the healing process. Um, So that dishonesty about um, things that you've put over here in the box (laughs) that we're just not going to talk about or we're not going to remember or that's not important or I'm not going to speak about that. Uh, The secrets, maybe, the secrets that keep a lot of our folks continue... To or be vulnerable for relapse. Or that I'm not going to fully say this because I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Um, and, and so for so many people, so many of our, our patients, where they really need to step up and, and be an adult, they won't make that step because of the impact it might have on their parents or their spouse or somebody else in their brain. In and their brain. Not realizing that 
the other person may be totally unaware, and if they would just bring the point, it would be really nice if you said hello to me when you walked in the door before you start, why is the lawnmower not put away and the um, garbage can not brought in? If you don't ever mention that that really bothers you and that you now have a resentment about that and uh, that you hear the door open and you start to cringe knowing that I'm going to walk in the door, um, I'm sparing your feelings by not saying that. That hurt my feelings or that upsets me or asking for what I need. We think that's what we're doing, but we're actually continuing the problem and creating a bigger problem. And it will come out. And it will come out sideways. It will come out sideways. It will come out when you least would like it to. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is going to come out. And and as an addict, you're you're used to people pleasing, saying saying all these, you know, yes, 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 or whatever it takes. To get whoever it is to leave you alone, and then you go do exactly what you were going to do, but you just didn't have the courage to say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. That's a hard, and hard they lesson end up, to learn. They end up back on having to say, God grant me the serenity, God grant me the serenity, because their brain is still in this whole argument related to this current place where they didn't have the courage. Right, you know, so their their peace is gone, their serenity is gone, and they're wondering why when they lay their head on the pillow at night, their brain starts going crazy talking about all the conversations that they didn't finish right throughout the day, and and it's interesting in early sobriety when you kind of learn that oh that dopamine rush that I used to get from drugs or alcohol or whatever can be. Um, switched to the adrenaline rush that you get when you do have a blow up or you <laughs> right. do have something. Some drama. Yeah, drama. And it's amazing how early recovery can just really stir up the drama. Because it's keeping feelings going, it's keeping the energy going. Mm-hmm. So, um, so many times people will act out in those ways um, and not recognizing that it's just the other side of the coin of the disease of addiction. Mm-hmm. And that's such an interesting way to phrase it, too, that the dopamine rush I'm used to is now being replaced by an adrenaline rush, which is a so powerful feeling at the time. It's, right. it's Yeah, it's powerful. It gets you boom. Um, and you want that boom. And so, you're looking at it, whether you get it from caffeine, whether you get it from, now I'm going to try out for iron man i'm going to do triathlons i'm going to take up skydiving i'm going to uh, begin to do these high adrenaline activities that we often have to really set people sit people down and talk to them about what they're doing because that adrenaline rush can sometimes be um a maybe and not always less dangerous than the dopamine rush. Mm-hmm. And will likely take you back to the dopamine rush. Correct. Because they, they are going to feed each other back and forth, back a- and forth. Absolutely. And when I first got sober, my sponsor used to talk about, you know, hey, you're not digging a hole anymore. 
you know the whole the whole you're slowly filling in and then you get to the ground level and it's like is this all there is Mm -hmm. at least when i was digging a hole i was getting something was happening Mm -hmm. but this is just boring and your sponsor would say it's okay to be bored yes okay to be (laughs) go get your big book and read and then you'll go to sleep (laughs) so that brings us to the last part um the wisdom to know the difference the difference between things i can't change and things that i should have the courage to change so this is a tricky one for folks um, in early recovery and for their families (laughs) and this is where i think the power of the group the power of the therapist the power of the sponsor is um so very important because like when we're children like as we're going through different stages in our lives like early recovery we don't always have the wisdom wisdom comes with time and experience and sometimes we don't have it internally regardless of our chronological age we don't have the wisdom yet so the wisdom the power of the group the group consciousness, many different ways this is referred to in, in, in recovery, but bringing your issue to group, saying it out loud, having other people respond can help you have the wisdom to know the difference. What's mm-hmm. something I need to just walk away from? Right. Put it, the, <laughs> put, the, put it, put it put down the, and walk away. Or no, I need to stand my ground. No, this is a this is a time when my courage needs to come into play, and I need to change some things in my life. One of the exercises that I find to be pretty effective is to ha- um, actually stop and look at what are some of the internal rules that are driving you. We went to a workshop one time um, on on men and on the wall the the guy leading the the workshop had everybody list all of the rules that people have in their brains about what it means to be a man you know that um men open the door men pay for the meal men drive all those those things and when the group started talking and people were able to say oh wait i don't have to actually do that and still be a man that was that was able to help people kind of get to a place of acceptance I find that people have a lot of those rules that are still driving them Mm -hmm. that are blocking the acceptance. One that really comes to mind is if he loved me, he wouldn't do such and such. Family members are always in that place. If he really respected me, he wouldn't do this. Where the the reality is his addiction is driving this and it has zero to do with you. It's totally nothing to do with love at all. But that brain says if he loved me. And, And so helping to accept that this isn't about that so they can find that place of wisdom exactly for both the family and their loved one this is why we really stress the importance of everybody the Mm -hmm. family the loved ones the recovery network however you want to describe the group of people Mm -hmm. um, and the person who has the disease of addiction they all need to see the elephant from all their different angles and learn how to deal with it. Well, and sometimes you can learn by somebody else's. Correct. That's when you 
it's it's really hard not to learn the lesson yourself, but many times we can we can help somebody else solve something and it's like, oh my gosh. We can Bing. see it in in the other person, we can see it in their struggle before we can sometimes see it for ourselves. And that's the power of the group, the wisdom of the group, and having someone like a sponsor yeah. Whether it's for Al-Anon, whether it's for AA or other 12-step programs, having someone who's been there before uh, help you learn how to stay sober, how to stay in recovery from your codependency. This is where that wisdom part, uh, where you're going to get it early on before you actually raise and train and grow your own wisdom. Mm -hmm. It is uh, really important uh, for people to understand why we want people to be going to groups, why we want people to have a sponsor, because you do need that last part of the serenity prayer. You do need the wisdom to know the difference. So as we we think about... um, ending this, I would really encourage people to consider looking up the Serenity Prayer. You can often find pictures of it. You can order framed uh, um, reproductions of it written in beautiful calligraphy. Very helpful to have that sitting around. So if we could just end with the Serenity Prayer... Looking forward to seeing you next week. And then there's two more lines that we throw on it at the end of our group that I think are also really empowering. So We'll add that. God, God, grant grant me me the serenity serenity to to accept accept the things things I cannot change, the the courage to change the things I can, and the the wisdom to know the difference. Keep Keep coming coming back. back. It works if you work it, and you're worth it. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.